Is it like alright? Right yeah, that's, don't worry. About the like, well, okay. <laughs> court, the, the court hangers grind. You bought that was an indigo. You tried to sell me that size yeah. top and indigo. Yeah, you <laughs> right, three, two, one. Welcome back to FE TV. I'm Darren Murphy. I'm with Neil Horgan, Derek Collin, and tonight we've got Joe Gamble on the show. Joe, welcome. How are you? Very good. Thanks very much for having me, lads. Just yeah, before everyone good. tunes out there now and goes away, no, Joe, <laughs> <laughs> Joe is not going to do a, a fitness circuit. He's just here to talk tonight. I just finished it. I just finished Joe Wicks one. <laughs> no, I've seen you doing a few Zoom circuits there. You're pushing the lads. All right. You never lost that anyway. Nah, nah. Air look, just, you know what? It's more about interacting really. And just make sure like that, we're, you know, that they're doing something, I suppose. Because see, they're all young lads. Like, there's no, none of them married, no kids. So, for all I know, they're up till two o'clock tomorrow. What's Netflix and getting up at 12 and 1. Do you know what I mean? You just don't know what to do. Like, so it's trying to keep, trying to keep some of the routine with them, really. Fair play, because in this climate, especially, like, you need to keep the head as you know yourself. Oh, 100%, yeah. That's more important than Indians, really. How are they? How are they keeping? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I think majority of, like, like ourselves, really, it's just the unknown. Like, I mean, I suppose they're all just dying to get back to. I mean, they all miss playing football and, and the routine of just get up in the morning, go train, and you know, go uh, enjoy the two or three hours that they're there and then go home. I mean, they're, they're all young lads, so like they, that's their sole focus. I mean, there's nothing else for them to be distracted by. So when you take that away and they have nothing to do, they're all living probably talking back to their mum's house and dad's house and, you know, what have you. So, to board shit, let's be honest, really. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like we've given them, you know, fairly extensive programs, and we've asked them to log in every day to Google Docs, for example, and, and input what they're doing. And you know, then I look over and make sure they're doing what they are doing. And, but like, there's only so much you can let lads, as you know yourself. Like, it's yeah. five, six weeks of that is fine, but then when it goes into seven, eight, nine, ten, you no know, football, you know, it doesn't matter how motivated you are. Like, you you do kind of get that bit of a slump and lazy, and you, you kind of go. And then I think yesterday's news. Wasn't great with the whole, you know, under five thousand or oh, five thousand. Sorry, from twenty eight yeah. like that seemed to be. I'd be honest, that hit me hard. Like I was like, Jesus Christ, is, is it going to go on this long? Like sort of thing, you know. Uh, yeah. I think the players are feeling that as well. Like. Did you see the thing from the FBI today or yesterday, Joe? About the yeah. there's like four options that they're laying out. Mm, um, I've seen that too. Yeah. So it, one of them, I think, is they'll just wait till September. The other one yeah. is that they may play behind closed doors for a yeah. period. Um, and then kind of a mixture of the two. Yeah, a mixture. Of two. Like I think, to be honest, look, the first one, the first two are nonsense. Like, and let's be honest with lads, you cannot play within closed doors. This isn't the Premier Division, uh, you know, Champions League, where you're getting 60, 70, 80 million TV money. We get absolutely zero. So if you have no TV money and you have no fans coming in, the club can't be expected to pay staff, volunteer, well, not volunteers, obviously people that work around the ground, police, the ambulance, etc., etc. So yeah. each club will fork out a load of money, but there's nothing coming in. Like yeah. it's just not it's not viable. No other business, no other entity would do it. So they are not an option. That's just not gonna stick. Like it's as simple as that. So I think the cost, the cost of the match event. Of course, course. Yeah. exactly. Sure. Sorry, like, just you know. just on that show, just for for us say who wouldn't be involved and know the finances of what goes on in the club. Mm. Like what costs for behind closed doors would there be? I suppose you'd be looking at Obviously, the, I suppose I I I don't. I, I, I know if you're, play, if you're playing away from yeah. home, it's going to be different. You're going to have yeah. a lot of travel expenses. Yeah, travel expenses. 
What's you that? Have rent, you have to rent the ground from Yeah, there. you have to rent the ground, yeah. So, no. so straight away, like, you have to rent the ground, so you don't have money. Um, but just on that, Joe, like, is, is there not a way around? Just I, 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 I agree with you in, say, from the, the old way of how much a game costs to stage, mm. say. But is there ways around the costs? Like, do the Monster Football Association, can they not... Wave. Yeah, wave the fee for, for rent and turners cross. Um, you you probably won't need the guards there. Like, you won't need security. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll have to have a, a, but is a St. John's ambulance. Like, is there is there ways, are they going to... Are the FAI going to... Because I know they're serious, seriously looking at it. Mm. Um, is FIFA going to get involved? Is, is there... Like, how much... Can they get a figure of how much they'll get from streaming games? Yeah. Like, how well, much... Because, you, oh, I'd pay for it. Like, no, I, I'd say... Like, I know a lot of people probably would. Of course they would, yeah. Because nothing gets on. Pay yeah. nearly the match fee, like, you know. But do you I think that the way it would continue on, the way they are, it being like COVID-19 payment or whatever, rather than the club paying the wages. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd say that's probably a stumbling block. And I think as well, like you have, like, like if you, for example, if you're a season ticket holder, you want a refund. If you're paying for advertising all year, you're paying for commercial, you want your money back. So, like, if there's nothing on CB, if there's no, if there's nothing out there showing yet, like, it's all well and good saying. And I think the FAI have come out and said that, look, they would be willing to, say, reimburse what match their cost would be for each club. I don't know, it's at 100 showing the but, like, that's a serious outlay, right? So... That's 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 say quote for example each club get a few bob and um, and um, so then but then you're missing other parts of it like so for example the commercial side of it the advertising I think there's a lot more than just getting X amount of money. But would would, I mean, would streaming not make up money? for the advertising? Like if if you are getting a good streaming um, service, like would that not please the the companies who are paid for advertising? I don't know. I just. I see if it's if it's at all possible to to cover the costs, whatever way it, that could happen, mm. is it not better than than nothing? Yeah, than just then having nothing, just oh, just the season sure. gone. Yeah. Like, put it this way: you've you five games into the season. We are about five six weeks probably in the whole lockdown uh, sort of restrictions, and then you get talks of the season being literally white. I, I don't know. If me, it's just I don't know. Is it need your reactions too soon? I mean, it's not even the end of May. We're not even. Five weeks into lockdown, seem to be coming down and not from what you hear from the government. And then you're straight away like four months, it's 28th of August, kind of, you're kind of going, oh, I don't know where they, I don't know where they're kind of getting these sort of projections from. I don't know how, but I would have been expected to, you know, and start the May, you five weeks into lockdown, um, big restrictions, and then slowly, surely, kind of get people back to work and what have you. And then middle of June, end of June, I'm thinking it was a fair sort of, I think there is a lot of concern about the mass gatherings, you know, and I think mm. that, that that'll persist, unfortunately, that, and that's no. the main issue, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think what Derek's saying there about like maybe the phase back and you get playing the games, if there was some way of doing that and then to come to the phase then when, you know, mass gatherings are back and you're, you're, you know, you've played maybe seven or eight games behind closed yeah. doors. No, then, then, then that's better than possibly waiting till September. Maybe like look for me, I, I would, I'd have no problem playing closed doors. I just, I just think financially, I don't know how, how it would work. Like, I don't know. I think clubs yeah. are so reliant on gates. Like, if they got a full refund and they were reimbursed with FIFA or FEI, and there was no real sort of loss in revenue, clubs would do it. No problem for a set amount of time. 
But I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. I wouldn't have a clue where you would start, how you would start. But I'm, it's not my, you know, it's not my fault. Well, on, on the positive side, if if they did do it, I'd say the streaming levels would be very high. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so of course. Like, and on top of that, I think it would it could set you up for. It could be a good long term thing in the end. You'd be paying for the short term, having to play mm-hmm. behind closed doors and relying on streaming. But then it's probably set up. And we've started yeah. the ball rolling with that yeah. kind of a, a yeah. system yeah. Where, where next year we've, yeah. we've a proper streaming service, you know? The only thing look, is, we, would it be know. a big health and safety hazard as well? Like you're, you're talking the bones of, what, 35 people per squad? Like yeah. Cork to Dublin, Dublin to Donegal, or you're bringing, you're bringing, especially in this current climate, you're bringing 30 to 35 people into the one place mm. and then they're meeting. So that could be 70 people meeting on a pitch, close contact, you know, in a dressing room. Mm-hmm. And then they're dispersing after the game, then out to different areas as well. I suppose mm-hmm. that's what they're kind of more worried about. Yeah. The way, Darren, that I could see that work, see it working is if the testing became nearly like a pregnancy test. And that's yeah, the only way to, yeah. Yeah, where, that's it. Where the, the players yeah. are cocooned for, for yeah. most of normal life, except when it comes to match day and training, that the players are nearly like the, the, the over 70-year-olds are cocooning for normal life, get the food brought to them. And then they they get let out for training, so they're only interacting with their fellow players and players of other teams when it comes to match day. And they have to be there has but there has to be tests yeah. that they have to be tested every week, every every three or four days, and to make sure that everyone's okay. You know, that's not there at the moment. Is, no, is no it that's like, not there. Yeah. No, that that could that could be a couple of months away. But yeah, that's the problem. It's, like, it's not like a test where you can just take and you instantly know. That's the problem. Isn't it? You'll have to wait yeah. weeks, and like yeah. you hear stories of people but, eighteen days, nineteen days to get a result, and by then. They might have had it and got rid of it. So, you know, yeah. it's... No, but, but I think any of this, Joe, like when we're talking about any of this, it, the current circumstances, nothing's going to work. The, no. the way things are at the moment, nothing works. So just forget no. about it. No, but I suppose no. we're just being, I suppose, positive in the fact that maybe in maybe in a month or two's time that they might be able to come up with a with a, with a, with a test that, that you get. Like I, I saw a documentary, there was Italian um, uh, doc, filmmakers and the three of them got tested instantly. It was like just this ticket gets printed out to tell you if you're positive or negative, you know. And I, yeah. But you see, that has to become mainstream and they have to make sure it's, it's 100% reliable too, I suppose, you know. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's an absolute disaster. I have to say, like, I think the whole lot of it, like, especially for our industry, like, we're all, we're all involved heavily with League of Ireland on two players. It's, it's going to hit hard, like, it's going to hit hard, there's no doubt about it. Like, unless we get back on the pitch and have some sort of Structure where it's it's you know it, it, it is what it was. I, I fear for things to be honest. I fear for the league, you know, really really going under a little bit because unless there's some serious money thrown into this, you've a lot of jobs gone. You've got a lot of a lot of livelihoods on, on the line here, and a lot of a big industry could easily fall if, if things aren't done fairly rapidly. It's football across the the world, like you know, oh, all, yeah, all yeah. clubs, like you know, all clubs are going through the same. You know, in the UK, big time on to lads there, like they're worried about their livelihoods, as you said, yeah. like, and as well, will they have the money to pick up and go again? And will the sponsors be there? You know, it's, yeah. it's a knock on effect everywhere. Yeah. And like, if you look at sponsors and advertising, like, let's be honest, but if you're just say, I don't know, just say like you're a big printing company, for example, and you're a big advertiser, like, and you say you give, just say, look, you give Corsi 100 grand a year, you're not going to give 100 grand next year, you're going to have it, because you've taken a hit, and everyone, everyone's going to take a hit. So, like, you know, how can you get money next year? How can you, how can everybody generate money? Because every, every business and every person is going to go, well, first of all, I need to look after myself. I haven't got the revenue to give out. So I'm going to mind my own business. And everyone's going to have that sort of attitude because mm. it's survival. Like, it's going to be look after yourself at all costs first. And then, you know, 
unless you're you know mm. and that's the scary thing about it lads like it's 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 real like i mean it's like you're gonna look you look at pats yesterday um straight away when that came out like you know they, they let other players kind of not pay them to, to put them on the format you know the government payment and then you have Shamrock Rovers and 25%. If this doesn't go any longer, like there's no club going to pay anybody for five, six months sitting on your ass. There's no, like, no business, no employer will do that. Like, so that's where the problem comes. And then when do we go back? When do we don't go back? You know, and you see, look, Premier League, when you're sitting there, there every, every club, every player in the world. There's no TV money, like, with no sort of revenue barricades. So, yeah, you're kind of breaking up there, Joe. Anyway, yeah. D- Derek, what you're talking about the streaming there, like, what what oh, do you yeah. think? What do you think of streaming in general? I think it's a good idea, anyway. But a lot of clubs are, you know, they won't get people to the matches. Yeah. Yeah, I d- I don't know. I, I just I think people still love um, going to matches, and I think even more well if they can get over the whole fear of maybe being in a being in mass gatherings or whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. I think in general, I think people just love getting out to matches, and especially after this, I think if there's there's going to be a real hunger to to get out and watch local football. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the same. The streaming would just be an extra revenue for them that they're not taking advantage of. Like, there's so many people in Australia that will watch the games. You know, you got mm-hmm. America, the UK would be a big hit as well for it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know yourself, you can't get to a game, but you would watch it if it was online. Yeah, and the away matches. I look how much they'd get from away matches. Yeah, yeah, maybe it might take it take a few hundred people that might rather sit at home and watch it on telly than go down to the cross. But I don't really. If someone's into Cork City and into into matches. I don't think they'd rather sit at home than, than go up and watch the live game. Mm-hmm. And then you've got them playing away up in up in Finn Harps and, and I get to watch it here with the with the lads, like you know what I mean? So I, I just it's all it's all positive for me if, if you could if you could arrange streaming um, next year when everything gets back to normal, you know. Or it could be a TV contract, or whoever it is like, you know. Yeah. I think if she's streaming anyway, even regardless of COVID nineteen, I think that's the that's the next step really for the league, mm-hmm. obviously. One big infrastructure, the stadiums have to improve. Like if you have TV deals and you're watching, like and I know you had Roy on the TV on the, the show last week or a few weeks ago, this, and he made a very good point. Like and it's so true. Like I mean, you look at a Premier League match. You look at I'm going to say look, um, West Ham and Brighton, say, for example. No powerhouses, decent teams. You flick on the TV and you watch them. You watch Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers recently, two games. You're telling me that that game is so better. It's so everything. The reason why that is it's a package, like the TV, if the TV sell it, the stadium is full, the stadium looks brilliant, it's a fantastic product. No, the players are brilliant, I'm not saying that, I'm not yeah. saying about the players, but like our product is average, like you're looking at half stadiums, I'm not even saying half full, C- half cars, stadiums. Cars in the background. Yeah, exactly, yeah, like paint, paint coming off the floors, I mean some seats are not even there, like if you brought your, if you never go to the toilet, because there's not, the facility's not there, like so, you know, our, our infrastructure is shocking, let's be honest with it. Until that changes, then you might get a better TV deal. And the whole package has to be there. Like, so that's where the league needs to go when this, you know, obviously, look, we bring up at the moment. But you know, besides that, that's where the next step needs to be. No, it's about just getting teams on the pitch somehow and, and, and surviving this league. And, and you know the worst thing about it all, Joe, is the timing because I think the people in charge now, that old regime who, it was criminal carry-on that was going on there, mm-hmm. you know, it was, what, what the way they kept 
they kept us down was was mm. I still can't get my head around what what transpired from this time last year when with, with Mark Ty's investigation and stuff on, on what happened. But like mm. the, the, the the worst thing about it all is that I think the people in charge you now I, I haven't heard the likes of Neil Quinn and Gary Owens and Jerry McEnany all these all they've talked about is League of Ireland, which yeah. should have been happening mm. for since we started playing in League of Ireland and it wasn't. We were just we were kept on and and that's the worst thing is that they were it looked like they were they were putting everything into getting League of Ireland to be a proper, proper level, like a League One yeah, level in England or, or like the Norway or, or the, the Danish situation. That's what they were, looked like they wanted to do and all would have taken time. But then this all happened well, and everything gets, gets thrown out the window. Yeah. But the only good thing is like, you, like, like the fact that Niall Quinn is there, that, like he's an ex-player. He's come from a situation where he's, he was involved in Sunderland in the Premier League division. He knows what it takes to run a successful club and for a league to be you know prosperous like so like I, I agree with you I mean but if you're looking at the future of Irish football like Niall probably knows like lads know that leave this country to get into the Premier Division the top top division you're going to have to be some talent I don't mean a talent I mean like world class like at a, at a serious level even if you're 19, 20 and you're world class you're still not ready because you're playing against fellas in your prime who are 26, 27, 28 mm. you look at Mo Salah and De Bruyne when the Chelsea world-class players had to let go because they weren't good enough at that age. Now look at them, do you know what I mean? But mm. we're not going to produce players like that in this country because we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have... Like, I, I have a good example. When I played in Brunei, I played against a lad, uh, Paulo Sorgio. Small lad, smaller than me, like five foot five. I mean, no lad's a midget. But I tell you what, this fella is an absolute baller. Like, he could do anything, left leg, right leg. Small, strong, quick. And, you know, and I... Got to know him really well, like, and I was asking him, he was asking about Lisbon Academy, like, and he said, I said, look, you know, how often would you have trained at a young age, like, you know, 10, 11, 12? He said, well, look, first of all, I left my home, I had to go to boarding school in, in Sport Lisbon, uh, which is about three hours away, he said, so it wasn't that, that far away, he said, but they used to train 18 to 20 hours a week at 11, 12, 13, 14. And here's me training two hours on a ship pitch with my, my uh, dad's, you know, doing the best. Now, I was lucky, two good, two good young coaches at Everton, very, very good to me. But like I'm saying, like I'm training two hours. If I was training eighteen hours, yeah, but on the same pitch, at the end yeah. of our career, a little bit. What if I eighty to twenty hours training? Where could I have been? Where could we all have been? Where could yeah. all the kids in Ireland be? We don't have infrastructures in this country, and that's where if we're if we're serious about producing players for the next generation for the international scene to be at a compete competing at a top level, we need professional football clubs, and we need that sort of pyramid scheme where. The, the 19, 17, 15s, 13s, and right down to the 8s, 9s, and 10s are with Cork City. Yeah, they're playing schoolboy level as well, but there they can be room for both like, at the table. There can be room for the Everton's, your Douglas, the College Corinthians. Your, your it happens in all the other countries, Joe. They're, they're, going, they're, 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 going, they're, going, they're going from school at 3 o'clock and they're yeah. going to these places for two, three hours training every day, and that's, that's, that's the way it is. But they're, they're, they're in training at 7 o'clock in the morning, but at 7 o'clock in the morning, yeah. they can go to school, come back at lunchtime, do skills training, go back to school, then come back at nighttime. Like that's, that's the dedication it takes if you want to be you know, a top, top level professional. But we just don't have that instruction. Just going into that, Joe, I mean, look, we all know you years, uh, but again, just want to ask you, like, where, where did your football, like, story start? Where did it come, your passion come from, you know? Where, where did you end up when you were young fella and stuff like that? Uh, well, my schoolboy club would have been Everton Football Club, Talker Club. Um, as I said, look, I was very fortunate. That, like, we, I was in a very poor school by then. I mean, like, we were getting beaten sometimes 10 in like, We were shocking. Like. But I was very lucky that... By two exceptionally good coaches, like really good. And at the time, 
you know when you're younger, you just want to play matches, like, and they'd be doing drills and sessions, and you're like, I just want to play a match, just give me a match, like, you know what I mean? And I used to be having arguments when I was 10 years old, I was still a cranky little kid at that time, like, do you know what I mean? I just wanted to play games, like, but like, I was lucky that the coaches at that time for me, like, instilled an awful lot of my sort of, my traits as I was younger in terms of being a good footballer. I was very small, very slight, very skinny young lad. I was a bit of a late developer, really, you know, 15, 16, 17. I remember playing the Irish team. I was the only young fella not gone to England that time. So, uh, but I mean, my love for football, I just love football. I, I always loved it. I think as I got older, I, I love it more because uh, you could never take it for granted. Like, and I think I was over the game for, when I finished, I was over the game for a year or two and you just have an, a hunger to get back in and be around it, you know what I mean? Where did you first go as a kid? As in England, is it? Yeah. I went to Reading. I was in trials. Uh, and how did it come about? Uh, I was uh, in Portugal with the under-18 international team and we played a tournament uh, against Portugal, America and Norway. And uh, there were some good players. Actually, I don't know, with the Irish team, we were in some... Who were in with the Irish team? No, with that, with no, that. Um, Jesus. Cliffy Bourne. I don't know if you know Cliffy Bourne. Scuntop. You might have, Andy Reeve was the same age as me. I don't think he's at that tournament. But... There was a good, good lot of players. Wesley Hoolan was at that tournament, actually. Um, and uh, as I said, I think there was only one or two players not gone to England. And um, well, I had a very, very good tournament. We played against Portugal, who had uh, Bosinga midfield. You know, Jose, is it Jose Bosinga? He played with Chelsea right back? Yeah. Uh, Sarah's player. Jesus, what a player this fellow was. Even at that age, he was playing in the field against me. He was, he was top, top draw in fairness. And uh, I, uh, I, I, had, I had a very, very good tournament. It was ex- a very, very good. And then, I oh, had yeah, uh, a few scouts kind of got onto me and it, it kind of snowballed an awful lot at that time. I had Aston Villa crew, I think QPR. A lot of clubs seemed to be ringing me. I was at Cork City Youth Team and at that time, it was, and Hoggy, you know this as well, it's totally different to what it is now. It's literally yeah. chalk and cheese. I mean, when you were 17, Cork City would just go and get the best players around Cork, really, wasn't it? Or it's the youngsters yeah. would go to Cork and kind of snowball there and uh, they had asked me to come over for a I think it was two weeks in the summer and I wasn't signed as a professional so I went for two weeks came back uh, did well came back I played and then went back off another two weeks for another trial you see they, they had a, like a pre-season tournament they went to Germany uh, for a week and then they played against like say non-league clubs at that time no Cheltenham were non-league and all the shot and Dagenham were, were non-league so I played in the first team for the three games and uh, Alan Parage was the manager at the time and he signed me uh, and uh, again I was probably naive that time I just took anything they gave me I was just desperate to get to England. Like, I was always, yeah. always wanting to get to England. I was 18, so I was a slightly bit older than 16. So it definitely, it definitely stood to me going two years older. And I think I was just ready mentally, uh, physically I wasn't, but mentally I was just ready to go. I was ready just to, to take on the challenge, you know what I mean? Um, you weren't ready physically? Yeah. Oh, I was a skinny, skinny, scrawny little fellow. Like, I wasn't, you know, I, I always remember, like, my, the biggest, well, one of the biggest lessons I ever get, I, I would speak about this quite often, is remember we, I went into the change room in, in the Redding team and like I was up against men, men, like, I mean, that's, these fellas were size dolphins, like massive men, and big, strong, powerful men and, and walking in thing. I, I was like a light bulb moment and I went, there you go, like, I knew straight away, because I was a small fella, I was, I was never going to be a six foot fella, so I just turned into a gym head, like a gym rat, I was in the gym yeah. five days a week, this week, crashing out weights, lifting, stupid weights because I thought I had to be that big and that strong and I think that's when things it's, it's changing off like, like what like you you know yourself oh, do your body sit-ups and do big pecs and big biceps and you know I was like a little prop and fucking rubbish as many times I finished like you know what I mean it was a stocky like I, muscles I mean neck that size you know what I mean 
not relevant to football, like, but again, I just saw it, I probably monkey see monkey do, like you yeah. see the first team do it, you see how big and strong they are, you know, they're pros, you just follow suit, like, and... And you, looking back, do you think they were too much into the weights a little bit, like, not, like, not yeah. criticising, you know, like, but, you know, like, you know, you, you have a better... View on this than I do now, but like in, in yeah. other countries, rather than maybe in the championship, they're not hitting the weights as much, maybe in, in that sense, mm. in terms of bodybuilding, or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I think, look, see, there's two ways you look at it. And I suppose no, I kind of a bit more into the SNC and a bit more coaching, a bit more wiser 20 years later. Like, there was a few good things uh, like learn from it, like in terms of like for me, it was like a four year apprenticeship, how to actually really become a professional footballer. So, mm-hmm. like, I thought it was a decent footballer, you know, play a constantly first team, play a few games. and you think you're a decent player, buy around town, you know, I'm a good player, me. then you go over there and go, bang, you're not a good player at all, like, your mind's off this. Yeah, I was decent, but I wasn't at that level, do you know what I mean? So it took me a good year to really physically get to the level, because they're all pros, like you've gone from semi-professional amateur, not even semi-professional, amateur football to professional. Um, but I think, like, as I look back now, and I, I, as I said, I'm big into coaching, um, there's a certain age that your technical development has, has stopped, like, and it's around 14 to 15 years old. Like, if you're not technically efficient at that age, it doesn't matter what you do after that, like, you're not going to be a professional footballer. Like, 85% of your technical ability is up to then. Like. So it's very important that, like, um, that we, our coaches in this country, like, understand that it's not, it's not just running kids 11, 12, 13, getting physically stronger. Like, it's, it's, it's the technique that you need to work on. And I was lucky that at the club I was in Everton, it was beat into me about technique and, and drills and passing and technique and te- like, like, you know, well ahead of their time. So I was lucky in that sense. Like, that's unusual because yeah. I don't know if any of the yeah. lads have the same situation at their clubs in, in like, and I had a lovely experience mm. in Glashie now and Wilton to get mm. it wrong, but there was no one there teaching that kind of stuff, you know, I think. Mm. Lads, do you have anyone kind of coaching you at an advanced level at that oh, I went to, I went to, I went to, I went to Brighton at 17, Hogs. I suppose I was a gap player, so I don't think I ever did. I, I did a couple of, we did a couple of indoor, um, indoor sessions, but there were just five sides. I, I think I, my, one of my first training sessions was, before, was when I went over to Brighton at 17. Gee. So I, yeah, had, yeah. I had none of that growing up like. And that's my point, Ori, isn't there? Like, 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 how are we competing at that level when we're so underdeveloped? Like, it's because it's by, I suppose we have that sort of desire and grit, the Irish mentality that definitely. Like, if we didn't have that, lads, I don't think we'd be competing at that level, do you mean? Because we have that sort of, you know, yeah, I, I, swagger a little I bit. Think, I, do you mean? The only thing I suppose we do have, John, and there, there is, and, and I, I agree with you, but, it, but it's, it's a tough one. There's, there's another train of thought is that your age is important too, you know, and I suppose we had, I, I and probably Hoggy had it down, and you probably played a bit of gag growing up, but mm. playing GA, I suppose, helped, helped well, you know, or big thing because you're all running, yeah. like you're playing different sports, like which is very important. I think where it affects you there, Derek, and uh, I, I get what you're saying. You have like this kind of bite about you in your game, mm. definitely, and the determination that mm. you know Irish people are known for. But <clears throat> where it suffers is what Joe was saying that, and you can see it every time a European team comes to turn us cross. Just mm. go down and watch the game. Look at their movements. Look at their touch on the ball. Look at the way they yeah. surround their body against the ball. The ball. Yeah. No Irish player does that. No matter how good they are, the best, like even Roy Keane, probably one of the best players that ever played mm. for Ireland, didn't have that. Do you know what I mean? No. That finesse. Like, no, he was a fantastic player, obviously, but 
there's just I don't know there's just a certain movement you know, is it like you know what I'm talking about you just yeah. know what Murph when you go up against top players like like, like under pressure they'll take the ball in areas where the, it doesn't matter to them like, and they won't give the ball away so easy like where like your will your desire a desire and determination and your will to win will get you to the door but to get through the door like you, your ability is everything like you have to yeah. have the ability you have to have you have to have the package right? you have to be mentally tough and all you have to be physically but you have to have technically you, if you're not good with the football in tight areas, if you can't manipulate football and open up and do it and do the basics at a world class level, because at the end, football is basics at world class level. Receiving under pressure, passing under pressure, decision making under pressure. We can all play. Let's if everyone stood off us and we're all retired now, we could look, we could all look like Javis and Iniesta's. The minute you start putting pressure on people and hunting them and asking them to do things quickly under pressure, then you'll see what good players are made of, and that's what top players can do because at a, at a young age. They're like sponges, they're doing this in 8, 9, 10, 11, as you said, they're hours and hours and hours of training and we're doing two, three hours jogging on the pitch and it's not, it's not no one's fault, it's just, it's the way the country is in terms of our coaching, it's got way better, way better, and it is going to get better, but like we're still, still a long way off, that's like we're still a long way off of competing and, and producing players at that level because we don't have the infrastructure there and we don't have the coaches like at clubs like Wilson Lee. So are you, Joe, are you suggesting that the that players should, um, Maybe just concentrate from a very young age on soccer. Yeah, as in as in specialized sport league. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. No, I actually wouldn't. I think it's it's proven to have uh, multi sports in in kids' yeah, life, like in terms of the guy, the hurling, the soccer, the rugby, you know, swimming, anything really. It comes to a certain point where you have to pick one, obviously. But I mean, if you're if you're talking about like producing top soccer players, for example, you have to put the hours in. That you have to have like. I, you play all the sports, but you have to put a lot of hours in in terms of technique, technical work. Because as I said, up to, it's proven scientifically up to 14, 15. Like, you have to have the technical ability. Like, 85% of it, I go back to it, is, is it's formed at that age. Like, if you don't have that, you only go so far, as you were saying, to, as you were talking to me, it's come off about the desire and will to win and want to do well will get you so far, but it won't get you through the door. Like, if you don't have the technical ability, like, you just won't. Like, I think a lot of people know that when it, like Duff came back from the UK there as well, like you know, getting Rovers in at six, seven o'clock in the morning, you know, he know he knows what it takes. Like he, that's and exactly what he was talking about. And he and he, he came back then. Hoggy that when he said that the parents were complaining about it. Yeah, I do think it's a balance though. I do think like we need to reform and that, but I I don't think we need to take everything. That from abroad and say everything that's no. here is wrong. Like I do think the multi-sport element that we have here is really good. I do, mm. but I do think like definitely we need more formalized coaching and at a younger age in soccer. Um, but and I think at a certain age I wouldn't like I I honestly think about 15, 16. That's just my view on it mm. that you'd be choosing. Other fellas might say younger, but I just think there's so many skills you can you can learn from different sports. You know me taught me from years. This has always yeah. been my view on it. Like. Yeah, you you can just your body even Joel and I know you you you're agreeing in terms of the earlier ages, but your body um, muscles usage that you get from doing other sports um, is just is just brilliant at an underage. And if you could, if you combine that with the the greater technical skill and coaching maybe that you got at Everton, um, then you'd be on the right track. I think you know. Yeah, no, I agree, Huggy, hundred percent. I think you're spot on. Right. And and Shamrock Rovers are doing a great job, aren't they, at the moment with the. Like they're tying in with schools, and that's the way I see it going. Like if if you're a lad doing your your junior cert, uh, fifth year, uh, leaving cert, that if, if you could do that in a school that allows you to train and yeah. maybe go on a bit longer in the day, um, mm. finishing your schoolwork, 
Like that's the ultimate, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. It is really, isn't it? Like I mean, look, that's where Shamrock Rovers have been a bit more, a bit more out there than other clubs, and probably go back to resources they can afford to pay. You know, I think is it Gartland, is it? He's one of the coaches, as far as I know. I don't know yeah. Shane Robinson doing, but they're going to schools where their kids, where their youngsters are at, and obviously they're they're promoting Shamrock Rovers and they're doing say soccer lessons because like another big thing is and what another thing that we could do at Cork City is PE isn't a big thing in primary school. It is, but there's no specific PE teacher for every primary school. You know, when you go to other countries, you might have two or three for each school. So if you could get, you know, ex Cork players coming on board, like John, I think John Flynn did it with an, uh, the FBI initiative. Um, the FBI had kind of supplemented and Cork City. Oh, yeah, yeah communities. Like, yeah. that's, that's the way forward. Like, like, get two or three of them for, and every day they're going to different schools for a few hours and as well as other things. And you're promoting the club. The GA do a brilliant that's like they have every school they always yeah. have there and they do that really well during the grassroots. But they're team. competing against that then as well, Joe. Ah, yeah, like I, you know, with, yeah. with with the schools. But yeah, like the infrastructure, what you talked about is exactly like we talk about going straight from school to training and stuff, but mm-hmm. these lads are walking into serious football clubs with probably indoor halls and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it is down the line. Hundred percent. But look, I, I think we're a long way off that. Look, our our concern is having a viable Top to top tier to the league and, and making that the best we can, and that will definitely feed on. If that yeah. isn't performing, or if there's a lot of holes in that, which we know there is, how can you then trickle that down into money to come down into grassroots at that level? Do you mean you have to, like, you have to start there? Like, all the pieces have to come into place, don't they? Mm. Like, I, I know we're talking about the top level league and what Derek was saying earlier about it being a you know, it's on it's a bit unfortunate at the moment because mm. now, quite in fairness, does seem to be prioritizing the League of Ireland. Everything he's saying is about the League of Ireland. So I think him and the current FAI are going to actually be judged on what they do with the League of Ireland, which is for the first time the FAI have been judged on what they do in the League of Ireland. Stephen Kenny has come out and said in his, one of his first few interviews that he's not even that bothered about qualifying for World Cups and European Championships so long as um, you know the national team is a, is a, playing a style that everyone looks up to and, and gr- grows the game. Yeah. So like, there are huge changes at the top, like of the tree, and, and I think combined maybe like I I I don't know what you think about lads, but I think there needs to be something done about the stadiums, like you know, in a combined way. Like I know if the FEI have to actually take it over as a project, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go after the stadiums, twelve stadiums, say reduce it and say these are what we're doing up, this is yeah. what we're going to do for the next five years, and. Uh, then, then you'd have things coming together nicely at the top of the tree. Like that's a lot yeah. of work. <laughs> yeah. It is, but I think it has to happen. Though it's a, like infrastructure has to happen. I mean, like the stadiums, unless the clubs are doing it themselves, which they don't have the money to do as much as they probably want to do. Like you're, you're always going to be judged. Like if if, the, if a if a punter just on, t- on TV does no League of Ireland, just looks at this at the product, he's going to think straight away, that's a crap game. It, it's your natural reaction. That's like that's what's going to happen. Like. I mean, we have to have better facilities, better stadiums, entice family people, all types of supporters, not just the hard supporters like that come every week. You know I mean? like, as Roy Keane said, like the Palm Brigade, like you need people with money, like multinational yeah. companies coming. You know what I mean? Joe, just yeah. to go back to like when you were at Reading and you were saying you were on, on the weights and bulking up and yeah. stuff like that. If you like, if you had to go back now again and go to that Reading, would you, were you kind of saying that you wouldn't have done so many weights or? No, I, I think if, no, the other way around. I think I'm delighted I did it because I, right. I, gen, I genuinely think that I probably wouldn't have been the player I was if I didn't train like that. 
Okay. Because and I, I would I changed my style an awful like I said I was as a younger, more nippy, technically type players. It's a very slight, very skinny lad. To be honest, it wasn't. A, you know, I wouldn't. I'm not saying it was a big, strong high, but do you know what I'm trying to say? I changed the way I played. Yeah, I came kind of from power. kind of a box to box midfielder, just a, a nippy, busy little fella, to a six who could be a bit stronger, a bit more physical. You know, flying to tackle a bit more. So I changed an awful lot in the four years, um, and I think it was down to my time at Reading. Like, kind of, I got good coaching. You know, I got really. Straight into men's football. I, I didn't play any 19s football. I didn't play any academy football. I went straight into men's football. Straight into bench, straight and training them every day. So I never had that tippy tap 19s football. Do you know what I mean? Um, didn't you get injured, Joe, as well? Like, I know this mm. has come up a few times. My thoughts in regard to yourself and other fellas about our age group, like, say, Conal Healy had a bad injury. Mm. I think you had a bad knee injury yeah. at the same time. And you're talking about, like, Conal Healy went over when he's 18 as well to Celtic. You went mm. over 18 to Reading. And you're going into, you know, a man's game and a very, very physical man's game. No, it was a man's game here too, to be fair. Yeah, yeah but, of course. Um, you're full-time over there. Do you think that, I think we've discussed this before, like if you had more kind of weights done going over there, it might have helped mm. in terms of your injury or? 100%, yeah. If I was, if I was better, better educated um, at like 14, 15, 16, and I mean, no, like, like single leg kind of body weight stuff, like, you know, I don't mean weights, I mean just the, fundament, done the fundamentals as well. It's like you're going back to the technical work. You know, if I did like the whole S&C at a younger age, which you don't, you don't load, externally load kids with weight, you do a lot of single leg body weight stuff. You do the basics really well, you do the foundation. Like I had a knee injury at 16, I dislocated my kneecap. Well, they actually call it sublux, so it comes out and comes back in again. No, it's nasty, it's like, it's like a sharp pain. But the kneecap would come back in and it'd be swell for two weeks and it'd go away and I'm like, that's grand. And, so I was 16, I didn't have a clue, lads. Like, I'm going to fizzes there and they're poking at me. And if I actually think about what the fizzes did to me, I'd, I'd only laugh now because I'm looking mm. thinking, like, what, did they, what were they doing to me? But no one knew what was wrong with me. So for two years, I played with them. Um, but because they didn't stop me playing, you'd get away with it. But what I actually did is I did long term damage to it in that two years, 16 to 18, because I kept playing on it. I think it was okay. It, it became chronic at 18. And I remember I, I dislocated my kneecap completely, I literally. Popped out and didn't come back in, and I'm telling you, know, it was agonizing. Played a reserve game. I was on the bench against Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship on say, Tuesday. Played a reserve game next day, and I'm out for the season. So it was that close to being kind of in the first team at Reading that time, very, very close. And the season's gone. Then you bring in Steve Sidwell, bring in top players, and I'm gone. Like, literally, I'm out the gap because it's just the business that you know, yourself. Like someone else comes in and you're out the window. But I think if I went, if I was a bit more educated when I went over, and I kind of found out what was wrong and maybe even had the operation here. Uh, I would have been a lot better, but it was that sort of injury that plagued me for my whole career. I had six operations on it. I never got rid of it. It was always there. I had two cysts in the back of my knee playing, couldn't straighten the leg. No, it wasn't. I'm, I'm making it as if like it was, I was a limp, limping around. I wasn't, but it, it definitely, definitely hurted me in terms of... Um, in terms of like the way he played the game, definitely did like no other role. Do you think? Do you think like I don't know what last thing I know Derek used to love running, right? But I think uh, in terms of running, around 17, 18, it's such a big deal that who's the fittest in a cardio way. That mm. in Ireland, I felt anyway. Like if you were the fittest in the team, you were mm. almost deemed to be the best player in the team, almost, right? I know that sounds crazy, but so you obviously need some skills as well to get wrong. But I think I wonder. Do, Ireland, have we not matured enough from just being like, oh, everyone has to be fit like you are in Ga kind of, you know, uh, rather than, you know, structurally sound 
technically good or maybe that's the next step that has to come here like well, I think I think if we go back a small bit go back to what I was saying earlier the technical work has to be done at a young age so yeah. it's the, the, like the coaching has to change where like it's age profile so if you're coaching 12, 13, 14 what's the aim it's not to get them fit they're going to get fit anyway that's not the point if the, it's just the game the matches getting them to love the game getting them to do the technical sessions and yeah, I know I might be a bit boring, but obviously try not to make it boring. Make it, make it match-related. Maybe play a load of small side of games. Get them to do what they love to do, play games. You know, change the format and different things. And then as we get older, yeah, obviously fitness comes into it, but maybe we probably are a bit more fitness-orientated because we just think that oh, we need to be fit and run them around the place. And, you know, that kind of way. Think, uh, do you think, though, Joe, a lot of Irish players have problems with injuries, especially in the last 15 years or so, say, going mm-hmm. over to England? Like the, the sharpness of the game, the twists and turns, the training, you know, you're training at a higher tempo constantly. There seems to be a lot of Irish players with knee injuries, hamstrings. You got injured over there as well. Yeah, I, 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 I had serious injuries as well. Yeah, like, like you know, Flinney, like, you know, look, David Moyler at the retire. James mm-hmm. McCarthy was another fellow coming through injuries. Sean McGuire goes from here over to UK hamstring operation like there's there's so many like yeah. and I'm just wondering what you're saying there now is it something to like you know Keith Fahey was saying how quick the game was like yeah. if we, we if we don't have that background are we just constantly catching up because I found out when I went to the UK I was definitely the unfittest guy that turned up at the training ground and I thought I was really fit yeah but it's, it's like this if you're building a house and, and a shaky foundation like, it's going to it's going to fall down like mm. so if you're if you're asking the body to play at that level, that high intensity, acceleration, deceleration, twists and turns, and be at that level. But you don't have the background to back it up. It, you're going to, it, after weeks, months, it's going to start crumbling, and you're, it's going to break down, right? So we're not, I agree with you definitely. How about the lads you have now, Joe, and the differences between them physically? I know they're young lads, no, to get me wrong. But when we were playing, or when you were growing up in Ireland, like, they're obviously, they drink less and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But they're more into... Keeping their shape and all that, are they? Do you see that? They are because I think the social media has got a big thing to do with it. Like, you know, people love put up pictures on Instagram and what they eat and how they train, and you know, that sort of ego image I think definitely helps. I think, and I think the young fellas are more, are more educated. No, some might be uneducated, too much educated because they're probably doing the wrong thing, even though I think it's the right thing. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I, I like a good example, I gave the lads programs to do. And I put in, like, it was literally 20 pages, lads. I didn't know it was literally stupid proof on purpose because I literally broke it down and said, right, this is what you do Monday, this is what you do Tuesday, this is the time, the reps. I didn't know, like, it was stupid proof. And I about four weeks later, I had lads doing 5Ks and 10Ks on the road. I'm like, that's weird. Today, to tell you that. No, they didn't mean it. Like, you know, but like, yeah. well, because you see all the social media. Because they got movies. a 5K challenge or someone. Yeah, that's what it was. Like, <laughs> some sort of challenge. Or, I'm like, that's like, why are you running on the roads? What one, like it's gonna, you know, it's not good for your knees and joints. And why are you doing that? You know, and it's not. It's probably just they did not mean not to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's and the just, second part that you hated about that is that they gave a fiver away out of their pocket as well. You definitely weren't it. having that. Well, I was like, that's a fiver should be coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, look, I think, look, I think lads are fitter. I mean, if we're looking at our group, like we're we're doing a lot of young, a lot of young lads. Like I mean, we've had a, like that. No, we've had injuries. Uh, we came back in the first week and I probably did too much too soon and I had a good seven or eight was injured straight off the bat like small little niggles and I'm kind of going right either again the background isn't able to take it 
They did nothing in the off-season and not enough. Uh, and then three, we just did too much too soon. Maybe I, I, I miscalculated how fit they would be or the background of it to ring. And that's, that's how something that you've done. their fitness now, like, just in terms of drills, like, if they're not on the roads, how, how could you possibly, like... How could you do it? Yeah. You have to, you have to get on grass. I, I, I said, yeah. I don't... I, I'm begging the lads basically to get on grass, even if it's your front door or your, your front garden or back garden or out the front. Yeah. It must be some green somewhere. You know, I gave them stuff to do that you could potentially... 90% of it do on any bit of grass league. Okay. They knew obviously we're restricted, but as much as you can as you run in grass, get off the roads, don't don't be pound like if you're a professional athlete, you're training every day, you're automatically going to be pounding your joints and ankles and hips, right? Anyway. So why combine that? Why do more on roads and, and do more pounding? Like get off the roads, like not good for like not it's like a tradesman looking after our tools, mind them. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Because they will come back to haunt you, no matter how fit you are with like Four of us know we've had injuries somewhere with knees, ankles, and hips, I'd imagine, wouldn't we? Definitely. And maybe, you know, so they're going, it's going to happen. So can you prevent that by helping by literally building your lower body to be very, very strong so it's not going to be a big deal to them, you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing how many people have serious injuries through football that you play with. Like, I'd say pretty much everyone. Like, I can't think of anyone I've played with who didn't break a leg or in a match, like, do you know what I mean? Or have a knee injury that they needed uh, cruciate surgery, or, you know yeah. It's actually unbelievable how much how injured you get in in sport. I suppose if you look, yeah, if you look at a sport, then it's not really, it's not like straight lines. Or so, it's so unpredictable. Like you're you're twisting, turning, you're jumping, you're falling, you're tackling, you're you're hitting, you're hitting fellas. You know, it's so volatile uh, like that. You know I, mean? I remember reading. Um, I think statistically, it's it's the worst injuries com- like compared to rugby, ga hurling, because it's the only sport where you're tackling with your feet and your whole weight of your body is behind is behind the point of your feet. So you're coming in, meeting someone else's foot with your whole, if it was me tackling, it'd be 15 stone, like coming in on top of you, you know? Um, Even compared to rugby, you're tackling with your arms. Your your whole weight isn't behind that point. Do you know what I mean? It's, so, and then put studs on top of that. Do you know what I mean? Like in in Gaelic, you're not, in rugby, it's it's illegal to tackle with your feet. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's true. Actually, yeah. no, it's very unpredictable. I think snapping of the leg as well, there's a lot going on with with so Mm. much kicking. That your knee, obviously, like we've all had knee injuries, I think. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, it's true. But it was gas. I'm going back to you with the running and me. Like back in our day, like I was expected to do the same as you say, you know, like whereas now it's more scientific. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. I'd have Davy Barry and Liam Murphy roaring, Why aren't you keeping up with Hoggy? Like, do you know what I mean? I mean, like, that's not what I had. And also, when we were young, like, or even not when we were so much when we were young. You play bad. They used running as a punishment. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, thankfully, that's gone. I think is it surely oh, gone? Punishment, like <laughs> it's, not gone. <laughs> you know? it's not gone. But I think players like you. Like the thing is, when you come back to preseason, now whole preseason, I'm gonna flog them for six weeks. But yeah. like you're asking players out to come back in nearly eighty percent ready, so you can get straight into football. What you can do, obviously, like you have to run some bit at professional level. You can't not get away from it, but. The days of like flogging for for two weeks and then we get the balls out like them days are kind like, I think like the very first day we came back this preseason with footballs out. No, we still worked hard, but like it's proven out as with GPS. We do GPS this year, like GPS with a football and without a football, there's not much of a difference. Like if really? depend on depending on the session you do, obviously. I mean, if you're doing, I don't know, like we do things they're called extra lads, but that's hate them. Like I mean, they, they crucify me for doing them, but like. I said every week, look, every Tuesday, we're doing this no matter what. You did, you did it with me years ago as well. Or there was yeah. the one, that one, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They're, they're, yeah. they're very hard. Like, yeah. I mean, you you yeah. were done with me, Hoggy, actually, years ago. Yeah. 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 Jesus. 
those X runs are going a long time now. They're going a long time. But you know what? They're all these goodies, like, but the lads hate yeah. them. It's like one of those where, and Benno made a good point, like, it's more of a mentality training there. Like, it's not necessarily mm. physical. It's, it's mentally. I want to see who breaks, like. I want to see who the tree crumbles because it's like everything else. You're on the pitch, like I want to see who's the first to give up when it gets tough. Like I want to see, and it's yeah. not necessarily. I wouldn't say it's scientifically brilliant for football. It's not like oh, it's a great drill or it's very good. It's more just to see who's meant to, to ready test to your resilience. Yeah. I saw it actually. I watched the red the Red Bull Leipzig um, under nineteen. It was, I don't know released or signed. I think it's called. It's on mm. Red Bull TV. But they did exactly. They were doing the same thing. They were doing it like, listen, lads, you're not going to like this, but this is to test your test yeah. your resilience. That's it, like because you, as you, I know you, you keep on keep finding not so long going, and you were saying yeah. about his resolve and that, like, and he came back and like, that's what it is, that's because like you know, it's like the, the amount of ups and downs. You have more downs probably than ups, really. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you have to take it, and you know, you, you want to see. The Did any of you ever uh, watch that SAS, the thing that they do on? Is it Channel Four, BBC, or something? It's they all go up to. The, what? Is there an Irish one as well? Is there? Yeah, oh, is yeah, it, yeah. It, was the, it was the UK one I saw. Anyway, it was um, you know they all kind of go up. They bring them up to Scotland, and it's for yeah, is it for the special forces? Something anyway. But um, yeah, that's that's exactly what they're doing. They're they're training hard, you know, every day, mm. getting them up early in the morning, running mm. and stuff. And it's not necessarily scientifically, you know, outlaid or anything. It's mm. just to see who who's going to break first or. Yes, Who, who's going to lose the head and it, it, it is it is like that in football it as well is. because every day you're you are running every day so like you know there's diff there's different tasks and stuff and you're losing games who's who's going to be there at, at the end of the season and stuff fighting for their place or some fella going to get pissed off and leave or something like that so yeah there's a huge mentality to it as well isn't there there is huge mentality it's probably more mentality than anything else because you definitely do it where you get really good scores or times like what you get through. It's just that can you get through it? Are you you know are you willing to just dig your heels in and, and because like we knew that we like we were using it as a point there. Like I, I would say to lads like that, you know like like everyone's writing us off. That's people are saying is the worst card team team ever was. And I I'd say it every day to the players there. Like I really drill into them and say like you know it's, you have to start proving yourself. Blah blah. And I really outlay that. We would outlay that from the start. Like that it's up to you to to prove people wrong. Like. Yeah, we lost four from five games, so that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it was those X runs. Oh, yeah. So the X runs. That, that's, <laughs> a, that's what all the players are blaming on social media, I see. <laughs> they can't run gambas out to kill them. <laughs> Joe, how's, how's their mental health? I saw that PFAI have um, everything in place. It's never for players' mental well-being, which is a, a great initiative because it's so important for, for lads, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose, are you on look, top of that? Um, I'll be honest, I look, None of them have come to us, like say, to talk about things. Like, do you know what I mean? But we, I suppose, uh, I don't know. The answer, uh, would well, it's, it's hard. How, it's hard because mm, I suppose even yeah. even no, no physical contact. But I no. suppose the, the PFA, I suppose, would be on to players if you remember. Yeah. They're, they're going to be let them know that that service is available because it's very, it's so important. We like we. I have been speaking to lads a fair bit on the WhatsApp. Now, look, that's where technology is great. This time, like we wouldn't, yeah. you know, we wouldn't have maybe. Whatever, 15 years ago, but like WhatsApp messages, keeping in contact with them, see how they're getting mm -hmm. on, check them every so often. But like, what I even said earlier is, like we just say like, you know, a seven or eight week sort of training program, all focused to get back in. So when we got back in, you know, we were worried, well, I was worried and, and he was worried that like, that we come back in with no big background of training. And then we have three weeks, well, 19 days, and what, what, what it would be, probably, that's probably gone now, but 19 days for a first game, we were afraid to admit that we will have injuries because if we don't come back in prepared and we're going straight back into it and we're really pushing 
the lads to get match fit will break down. So it was a big emphasis to really make sure, like, for themselves. And I sent them some stuff, like, you know, lectures to say, look, lads, this was called match for safe from the NFL. They had, like, a mid-season break. I think the players went on strike. And they came back and there was, like, 250% injury rise and, and muscle tendons and stuff. Okay. Just to show them this, this was going to happen. If you don't do what you need to do, mm. they come back. Yeah. And get injuries and you could get, you know, career injury. Like, if you pull your tendon, for example, your Achilles tendon, like, that's a career injury. Injury, definitely. Like, you're not going to come back in the way you work. I mean, so I just want to say to lads that, like, make sure you come back in the best nick you can and use this negative into a positive and, you know, really you know, educate yourself that way. But don't know you're saying, right, when the season comes back, we don't know. So all the training they did do, we have to write that, take a, take a deep, few deep days, take it easy to go again. And no one knows what's going on. So it's very, mm-hmm. very difficult to plan for anything. Like, and for the player, like, mentally, it's like, when, when, when can I go back to football? Like, that's all he wants to do. And Joe, do you know the players you had alone and all that stuff? It, like, uh, without knowing too much about it now, but are a good few of them gone back to the UK at this point and like, their loan spells up or... Are they are they coming back or do you know? Well, they all got back home. So the, the four, okay. uh, yeah, the, the four loanies. Well, three, one was from Dublin, uh, three lads from England. They've gone back to England. Uh, we the centre forward Rayon and Henry midfielder. They go back to England as well. Ian Boston, he's Belgian, and he's gone back to Belgium. Everyone's gone home basically. Okay. You know I mean, yeah. so um, with the loan deals, we don't know. No one's come back to say like yeah. no one. Like, and the thing, is. we don't know. We genuinely, no one knows because no one knows. Even the contracts that are going up in the end of the season, no one knows if that can be renewed or is it viable that you just carry on next year. Honestly, no one has a clue any, any sort of... You know, yeah. Are all players still in contract as well? As in, at the moment, like... With, with clubs, like, you know, if you go, like, you were saying St. Pat's now told their yeah. players to go on the, the COVID payment or whatever, mm-hmm. like... it. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was before, if you broke your contract, you didn't pay someone for two weeks, wasn't it? It was... Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think four or five. Is it four or five weeks? Yeah, or is, I don't it dif- need, is it different I don't circumstances now or what? Or, yeah, yeah. Different circumstances. I don't think no one's been, you know, contract up or terminated. Right? Well, that's good. So for the clubs, really, well, for the players as well, but for the clubs as well, like, you know, that players aren't just saying like, oh, five games in, see you later. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like this. Where can they go? No one is in football, so no. And just when you came back from England then, Joe, yeah. obviously you had, a, you, had a, you had a good time at Cork City, um, yeah. probably really enjoyed your football, well you, you look like you really enjoyed it anyway. Yeah. Experience from Reading, was that, was that huge for you then as well, like because you said you struggled with your knee and stuff, what was it like at Cork City then, where you kind of kept, you, you probably always kept up the gym and stuff, even when I was out there and you were a big gym head and yeah, well, it was a change. Like it changed me because I remember um, I had the operation, and I was lucky that uh, I had such a good physio, um, John Fern. His name is I uh, can't actually to this day. Um, he was the Chelsea physio. Remember that big scandal with the with the Odal? I don't know name. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the main That's physio. The Mourinho, I think actually. Yeah. On, he hasn't been the same. He hasn't had the same success. He, he's he showed a bad side to him, like. <laughs> well, it was. It's shocking. He was the physio, whatever he was the head physio. He went to Chelsea from Reading, he was top, top drawer. Like he really he if he wasn't there, I'm not too sure what I had a career, I've been honest, because it, like I had the operation and um the surgeon basically said to me, he said, You'll be lucky to play again. Like, and what and did he do that was so good, Joe, as a physio? 
just the rehab, just the kind of he's, he's the management, the minute the physio or the surgeon said to me, I'm not too sure will you will you last your knees in a bad way. He said, like that that injury has been there for a good few years and it's it's chronic, he said. Like, and right. he's I got in the car and said five minutes said, That's bullshit. He said, Joe, don't worry, don't he said, Listen, I've had worse injuries that played for years, he said you'll be fine, don't worry. He said, We'll we'll work on this together. And like he was brilliant, like oh you do running, he'd run with you. Like I've never seen a physio. He'd actually run with you and he beat you running. He was that good. He was, he was a marathon runner, like any sprint you beat him, no problem. Was he anything long distance? He he was brilliant. And he trained with you. He'd be standing, he'd be sitting running with you, and he'd pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. He'd all he he loved training himself, and I kind of, that's why I kind of got love for the gym more. And he'd push you, and we used to have leaderboards up, like you know, we do rowing, say for like say two thousand meters. He'd go, I beat you today, and I bet you won't beat me. And he'd push you, and he'd push you, and he'd be, and he'd, he'd be very good that way. And all anyone Good that was injured, plan. anyone that was injured there, like um, I remember the first day he came in, and like. Uh, we would have been very old school when I first went there and then a year later he came so the physio left and he came in with new ideas the Swiss ball who came in all the core like I mean, no one was doing that back then I mean it was just yeah. unheard of it I remember the very first day he was there um, uh, one of the players came in uh, I don't know I think it was Barry Hunter he came in or Norman big tall centre back good lad young friends and old pro and he came in and said oh John can I get a rope and John kind of was looking and said, uh, he said Barry what's that say open the door there and Barry you know like, like, you know, had his nose over the place because he was a senior pro. He goes, uh, says physio. I said, yeah, I said, where's that same Missouri? Because I'm not a Missouri. I said, don't be looking for rubbish on me. That was his first day there. And I said to me, I said, Jesus Christ, like this already. He, he had a presence about him straight away. Do you mean he wasn't going to be fucked around? Like, and I just took to him a little bit. And I like that. I like that from him. And then he was just excellent. Like, he was really good to me. And then just all the different exercises I did, all the stuff I didn't do, I should have done. He showed me what to do. And he said, right, for, if you leave here, he said, and I never see you again, and you do whatever. This is, this is what you don't do, and this is what you do for the rest of your career. And I just stuck by it. It was like a mantra. I just stuck by it. I, I, if I was doing, say, certain plyometrics, right, you're not doing them ever again. I, I, I never do them again. If you're doing this, do this. You're not going to just stuck to it. It definitely helped me. Like, no, no, no doubt what I got. I got longevity out of it. There's no doubt about it's that. It's amazing that when you have a bad injury, um, having trust in the in the physio that you, because you, you live with them, you become so mm -hmm. close to these people. I remember doing my cruise ship and, I, I was, I was, uh, we were part time actually, and I was every day, five days a week, I was inside in the physio, and Carol Nine was in him. Yeah. Um, and five days a week, I'd be in my heart and physio, and I'd be in the gym every day of the week. But once you find, once you get a trust in that physio, it just mm -hmm. makes yeah. makes all the difference. And if, if you get on with them personally, and every, like it just it changes everything, you believe in what they're saying, and f from a mental point of view, it, it just gets you through it. It's yeah. huge because, like he said to me, even that day, he said, Look, I could probably get you back within six months, he said. Like, if you, re if you were, you know, 27, 28, and you were at the peak of your career, and you get back, he said, I tell you what we do now, he said, we just scrap the rest of the season, get out for 10 months, he said, don't even think about it, come back next pre season, and you'll be fine. And I did, like, I, was, yeah. I came, back in, great, I came mm -hmm. back in great shape, and, you know, that four months extra and doing the stuff he told me, it definitely brought me on and, and, and saved my career. Really, to, to actually, Joe, I was only reading something from you today. I just had a quick look online. There was a, there's not many articles. Actually, you haven't done too many interviews. There was, um, I was looking at one and there was, um, it, it, you were on about the, this, and you mentioned it there, where they go with the single leg. It's not something mm. I'd never really heard of, but it makes so much sense. I think we were saying like, for 95% of you playing football, you're on your, sing, it's your single leg. Like it's yeah. only a small amount of time that your, your two legs are together. That's it. You're like, you're, you're always a single leg. You run, kick, Jump, you know, if, if you jump, you would, you would naturally have a better leg to jump mm -hmm. with than the other, just the way it is. So, 
why do we train two feet all the time when we're in the gym? Like, that's why my motto would be like, as much as we can, I'm going to train single leg as much yeah, as we can. That was a great bit of advice. I thought it was something I hadn't heard people talk about before. No, obviously, there's some, there's some parts you need two feet because you, you would generally just shift more weight. So if you shift more weight, you're going to get stronger in certain areas. But, you know, we all have imbalances. So if we, as much as we can, try to train single leg. That's what we've been doing anyway with our legs. Mm-hmm. I saw them. Uh, you had them jumping from side to side on that video thing. Yeah, <laughs> scalar hops. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What are they called? Scalar hops, single leg yeah. scalar hops. So again, we try they, to and it, work, it works for TikTok dances too, doesn't it? Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter, she gets it. Uh, she's a bloody guy. She baby. The young fellow was brilliant in the background. He was having none of it. <laughs> he was complaining. He's like, Dad, I want to power in. He's like, oh, Joy, just give me five minutes, mate. <laughs> he said, Emil is going to kill me if I don't get this done. And then I do it. And she goes, Dad, you did that wrong. And she was on for about 20 minutes. And I said, Media, stop doing it. I was like, where did she get it from? <laughs> yeah. I saw a few of those moves before, all right, Nirvana. I was talking to Carney earlier, and he was saying right. he was looking back in your time at Cork City, like, and he was one game, I know he remembers his uh, game against Lin- Linfield. He was, he was cursing, he was saying, you should have won that day, like, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That Linfield game, I don't remember that You're game. You're not going to go for it, no? You don't do too many no. in- interviews. I don't remember that game. That's the game where I did a rant. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a rant. Do you, do you, did you ever meet that uh, manager after? What was his name? Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffries. Um, no, I, 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 think, I think we played Pats at home uh, on the box. And he was, uh, he was commentating. And I, I actually met him briefly after the game. And he just shook my hand. And then I said, look, apologize. He said, nah. He said, listen. He did a moment stuff. He said, "Look, you know, you're a good player, blah blah, blah and just that." And we just kind of kind of joke about it, like, but you know, it was. That was I'd was, say that was the most honest football interview that it was ever done. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what happened? It was brilliant. It was Rico. I said, "Me, Joe, you better go." And I said, "I said, fuck off, Rico." Yeah, I, said, yeah, I remember that. I'm not, I go, Rico, I'm not fucking doing it. He said, "You yeah. have to." I go, Rico, I'm telling you, I'm not doing it. Damn, fuck off. And we had an argument for about five minutes. I said, "Right, right, I'm going out." <laughs> and when I walked out, gave him a big stupid stick, tick head me anyway, and just. <laughs> Had a rant about a rant, and then had to go <laughs> Oh, did you find it in uh, Brunei? Oh, brilliant! That's I'd say it's probably the two best years of my career. To be honest, I, I, for the reason why, and I go back to what Roy said: the lifestyle was just brilliant. No, brilliant. so they won't probably say that with the kids. Like she stuck at home, the kids have a lot more, and it was it wasn't that easy. Say that way, it was good points and bad points, but. I knew it was my last two years and that's probably why I loved it more because the more I went training, the more I just knew it was going to come to an end. And it dumped my knee. I just knew my knee was shattered. I was like, I, I, like I played, without a doubt, I played the, the second season with illegal drugs. Like, there's no way. I played, I, I, tell you, I, I got tablets, I'm not joking. I had to break them in half to swallow them. And if you're I didn't take repositories, you're meant to probably stick them up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a language barrier. <laughs> they were they were legal stuff. Like I remember we, we had a week off and I didn't take them for three days. I couldn't bend my knee. I went to the pool with the kids and I I was like, Jesus Christ. I, I and I, I was wondering why I was thinking, I know my knee's bad now, but I was like, three days ago was great. And I was like, take it clicked. I forgot to take the tablets, took the tablets. Two days later, right as rain, like right as rain. And for six months, it took him. I tell you, for six months afterwards, my stomach was in bits. I tell you, I was fucking fat. Like, not all I know, my stomach was ruined, like from him. It was after I finished him. But if I didn't take him, I couldn't play. I just couldn't play. And I just knew it was the end. So the two years, everything, I just, I just cherished everything. That's like, like crazy stuff. Like, 
you fly to every way again. Like it's like basically living in Cork and flying to Portugal and you play in the Portuguese league, right? You get the, you get off the bus. You get, sorry, you get off the plane and get onto the bus. The general manager comes down with cash lads and gives you cash to spend the money. You don't even spend your own money, like that sort of stuff. He, he's a wad of cash of that size and he's like <laughs> and he's just flinging around and you get like whatever you could probably get if you're there for each day you're probably getting no, it's like 150 or 200 euro, but like you have to feed yourself. Like, you know, when you like, you know, when we go away, away games, your breakfast supplied, your lunch, and your dinner. I think on the continent, and I think besides England, as far as I know, you get money and you, you, you eat what you want, you go and eat wherever you want. So, like, we would, you know, we'd sleep well, but you, like, it wasn't you don't have to have the boiled chicken and the no, 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 no. <laughs> the, chew, the chewy boiled chicken, <laughs> and you want to roast breast the chicken. <laughs> Yeah, and the wettest pasta ever yeah. made. Yeah. So we used to go eat out basically. You have you like you get breakfast in the morning at the hotel, and you so that but that, that, things like that was mad. Like you know, you took on what's the, like, what's the money for? Why are you taking on what's that for? And he goes, oh, you just you know, that's where I'm spending money because that was it. And then you'd fly to the best the way against stay in decent hotels. Um, Singapore is amazing. Like if you've never been to let I'm telling you, it's it's like similar. Like it's not real. Like uh, whoever came up with it was, it's just, it's not like it's not a it's not a real world. It can't be because the monk just the the the, the roads, the, the the cleanliness of the place, the the buildings, everything. Like you you'd walk from say for example from one road to the next one and you go under under the road for example, you'd have shops under the road like top shop, oasis, jewelries, and then you go up another street. Like, whatever the retail space, it was used. I mean, every inch was prime location. I mean, you'd have hotels, half the hotel could be taken out, and you'd have a forest going inside of it, all glass. Just mad stuff. Like, just the best place I've ever been to. It was just mm. unbelievable. Great to be there playing professional football as well, fair play to you. It was mad. Yeah, that, yeah. To be fair, it, was, it came from nowhere. Like, but it, it turned out to be the two best years. I just really cherished it. Like, we won the league, we won the cup. Uh, I, for me, I, when I finished, I, I was fulfilled that I finished on a high. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, if I had stayed here and say finished with Limerick yeah, when I was at that time, I would have felt it very much like it wasn't finished. You know what I mean? I, I didn't fulfill something. Like, it just it just made me feel like that. You know, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I finished. I finished. We won like my last game. We won the league in front of 35,000 people. My two kids were there at the time. Yeah, I did. It's great to hear those stories, Joe. Like, uh, as you said, Roy was on about it as well. but Colin Falvey says the same. He went over, he started, he went to New, New Zealand, I think, and mm. India, and, and then over, he had a great career in America, like, and he just says, mm. what a great career, what a great time, I had a great lifestyle, really enjoyed my training in the sunshine. Like, it is, it is something to, to keep in mind for our, our young players here, our talented players here, that it's not, as, as we, we say a lot in this, it's not just, it's not just about going over to the League One clubs over here, whatever, but if you get into the Premier League or top championship side, but like, there's, there's so much, there's so much more um, options out there. There's loads more options. I mean, like, like we don't want. We probably always look to England because it's just so close to us. Or England is to be on in all, and like you know, it's more look. Your first protocol is maybe to go to England and see where that goes, and what have you. But like, if you're willing to travel, and if you're willing to kind of seek adventure, for example, like you will definitely find it. I mean, what we do, what we, what, what I think Irish players they don't value themselves. Like, like I went to, when we went to Brunei, there was like 30 players there, like for a trial. And it was literally a disgrace. We were talking for like a horde of cattle, fecked into a change room, right, lads? And I mean, you know, we were like Fanny Jeffers was there when he was there. You had Paddy McCourt came the next year. Uh, you would have good, like, if you went, if I said on an interview recently, like, if you put all the CVs on a, on a table, mine's at the bottom. What I did compared to what fellas were up against. And I was looking, thinking, 
Jesus Christ, some good players here on CVs. Like, but if CVs alone, that's your piss poor when they play them, like, they were over the top. And that's where my, I think the reason why I did well there is because I was physically fit. I, I, I was 32. Yeah. I was very, very fit. I, I remember going there. I kind of had a bit of a mini pre-season myself for four or five weeks and I'm telling you that I train every day like my leg tendon because I knew this is my last two years. So I went over really, really prepared and, we, and, I, and with the heat, like it's ferocious as you wouldn't, mm. you couldn't, you couldn't describe it. Like you're gasping for air after 10 minutes. I mean, oh really, it's like someone just literally whacked you in the chest and you're like, <gasps> you're inhaling trying to get the oxygen in like and they're just buzzing around because they're used to it. All small, I mean, they're all 55, 55 kg, 60 kg lads. I mean, tiny, skinny little lads. I mean, you know, any any foreigner, you knew the foreigners were there because they stood out of my, because they were proper physical presence, proper players. And the Singapore and the Brunei lads, technically very good. Physically, when it was just, you know, they were just small, skinny whippets, you know what I mean? They're flying around the place. Um, but I went over, and we, for two weeks, we're playing 11 v 11 every day. We do a warm up, 11 v 11, and that's it for two weeks. And then after two weeks, then they decide who they want. But I mean, I, I was lucky that, like, when Steve was there, I knew from Reading under 17s, uh, he was assistant, he was the manager of 17s. I didn't know him too well, to be honest, like, but we had cross paths. And uh, after a few days, he asked me, Look, I know you're into the SNC, will you do something to warrant with me? I, I don't have what I want at the moment, and would you help me out doing this? Then you're like, I was delighted, like, I say, Yeah, no problem. And then after a few days, he looked, I'm going to sign you. He said, But I just want you to play different positions. I want to play like right back one game, left back, centre field, centre forward, 10. Just playing different positions just so you're sure you can play it. And I enjoyed it. I, you know, the two weeks went well. And I was flying home with a contract and I was delighted because I just knew, Brilliant. you know, it, at the end of the look, it'd be interesting. It was, a good, it was good money on the table, tax-free money. I knew in my last two years I was going to make the most of it and, and go up there and do something. So Something what you spoke about there, Joe, as well, uh, and we, we talk about it, England is always kind of first place you dip your toes, an Irish player. Like... You see in every other country, you're talking about it, there are 30 fellas on trial. Mm. Like, there's fellas travelling all over the world, going into different clubs, and they will go on trial, and they'll, they'll do 30 trials until they get a club. Mm. Whereas, you wouldn't do that. Like, I wouldn't do that. Or You know what I mean? No, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people would do that. They'd kind of wait for a contact or a connection or, mm. you know, to try and get out there. But, like, as you said... Go, go experiment, try get into club. You never know what might happen. Mm. You know, if it's not happening for you in the UK, maybe, you know, you try your luck somewhere else. But it's, I suppose, again, it's the determination to try and make it. Like That's it. Like, yeah, you're going, you're going to get knockbacks. It's just, but I suppose, look, you need the opportunity too, Murph. Like, it's not, you know, it's, it, as again, you have all the will in the world to go at these places, but unless you're going to have a foot in the door somewhere to get you there, that's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's the same. We always, some, we've always said, like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, that was the scenario. Like it's who I knew at the time. George got me over there. I knew Steve Keane. I said straight away, "This is a bit of a fit," and it, it worked out well. If Steve wasn't the manager, would I have signed? Probably not. I, I probably wouldn't have fitted or someone else. If whoever the manager was, probably wanted his own players. I might want to know his if own you players. As, if you weren't as fit as you were either, you might move. You know, so like no. you did that as well. In fairness. Yeah, no, I, I did, like, I prepared, like, put that, like, like, I didn't want to go over there, you know, not ready for what was expected of me, like. And just now, so you're, you're coaching now. Are you enjoying yeah. the coaching side of it? How did you find coming from being a player to a coach? I, I love the coaching side of it. I, I, I probably nearly love coaching more than the playing, to be honest. Um, I really, like, I think even when I was 26, 27, say 20, around that, like, I always had an eye for coaching. I always wanted to go into coaching. I'd always 
know, write down sessions. Like if I did a good session, I go home and write it down. And I was always interested. Like you know, I, I, I don't know, it's a good thing. I have a knack of taking in information, whether it's good or bad. And, and, and when it comes to football, I just seem to have that sort of grow for it. Like uh, you know, I said, I tell you, I'm, I'm just obsessed with it, like what I am. Like I just yeah. love it. Uh, and I really, I really enjoying it. I mean, getting the opportunity to be a coxie, I'm delighted that. Like, really, I'm delighted you asked me to go in. Um, I was at War for Limerick, different roles, SNC. But I did the SNC because I, I, I'm into that as well. Like, and I just want to be a better all-round coach. Really, you know, I'm not going to be a master in, in SNC or a, a doctor or anything. But I have a good knowledge of and good basis of it. Like, so I think that could stand me in good stead to be a better football coach. That's the reason probably why I did it. Um, but no, I'm really into it. Uh, watching you in pre-season, really Joe, and, and the start of the season, you could actually see your love for it, like on the pitch. You've, a, you've, a, you can see the grow that you have for it. Kind of suits you, mm -hmm. like you've, a, you've a presence, and your your voice carries as well when you're when you're when you're doing the drills with the lads. You know. Mm, yeah, yeah. I suppose like that comes from, like I think that comes from as well. Maybe my personality as a player too. Like I think, like you know, I think when you're going coaching and, and players don't know you, like. You, you have to earn their respect. Not, you know, it's not a case of what oh, they have to respect me. Like, well, you have to earn it because you have to know what you're talking about. So, if your first few sessions are not great, you know, like, like let's be honest with football people, rootless, like, they smell blood straight away. Like, if they think that Joe Gammon's an average coach and he can't do this and he's a bit soft, like, they will take the piss out of it. No doubt about it. Not, not in a malicious way, but we've all been there. Like, when coaches, you're kind of going, yeah, whatever. Like, he's having that, he's talking to me there. And, you know, you're not really getting his attention where I think if, you, if you're really knowledgeable, and you can portray, you know, what you really want efficiently and well, and you come across well. Players will 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 will, will gather around you because they want to learn from you. But if you don't know what you're talking about and you're trying to bluff your way through it, like they're not stupid. Like I mean, they will smell it. And if you had any advice for young fellas there now, especially going to Cork City, mm. like you're you're in your own league of Ireland there now with Neil Fenn, and you're looking for a player in the morning. What are you looking for? Uh, what are we looking for? Good question. Obviously, obviously, take out your ability and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you need a right back or a centre mid. Yeah, centre mid, centre half. But yeah. initially, if you're going out and there's three strikers or there's three centre mids, what's it come down to? I suppose you're looking at a few things, really. I mean, look, I know that I need one to play. Like, you have to be, able to, you have to be technically good. Like, I mean, that's the be all end all for us. Like, I mean, sorry, it's not the be all end all. It's number one point. Like if you can't take care of the ball under pressure and, and really take care of and retain the ball, then we're not really going to be kind of looking at you. Second of that, like for me, I think for you have to be physically good, lads. Like I don't know if I spoke a lot about this on, on the show and I'm, I'm probably on it. But like if you can't run, lads, and you can't sprint and you can't even move, I don't mean no lads, a hundred meter sprint in the top case. I mean like generally dynamic. If you can't do that in the modern game, I don't think you could make it at a high level. It's, I really don't. Like, I mean, if you look through the players that are playing at a high level, they, they have everything. Like, they, they can technically play, but they can shift. Like, they, you know, you've got to do from GPS. And that's where some players will have one attribute, but they won't have all of them. Top players will have all of them. Now, again, if we're looking professional players, it comes down to your budget. Like, you pay for what you get. So if we want, we want this, 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 well, that's fine, but you're going to give, you're going to pay X amount of money. You're not going to get it, so you have to be realistic. Like, well, you know, that's and I, I, I hate talking about budgets and money, but like when it comes to professional football, it's a big thing. Like, I mean, it's a big, big thing. You, your, your budget is a big thing. I hope getting the best players. If we're looking for younger players coming through, I would say, and I think I know Colin would say, and I'll even say, like, you know, looking at it, it's, it's technical ability. Like, can you control the ball under pressure? Can you move the ball? 
we will work with physically when they get older. But if you haven't got the basics of being a good technical player, you won't go fairly. You just won't go fairly. Well, this is a prime opportunity for any young player now that wants to go play professionally to get in as much technical yeah. stuff as you can. Thanks for coming on tonight, Joe. Can, can I just oh, ask yeah, yeah, yeah. before, because it's huge, like, I can't believe we haven't talked about it. Go on. Or Irish caps. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking, that's amazing, like. Yeah, geez, it's only, I think it's only when you finish, really, um, or come at the end of the make career that I kind of stepped back and went, because you're all, like, I suppose people would, it's like Joe Gamble, ex to the uh, Republic of Orange International. You kind of get that tag with it, you know what I mean? Uh, unknown, mm. really, and it's it's great to hear. Like you know, it's it's it, it's it's kind of gives a bit more, I suppose, more prestigious really at the end of the day. Let's like, let's be honest about it. You know what I mean? Well, how, what, how did it how did it feel, Joe? Like even because like, I, I had a taste, I, I had two hundred twenty one caps, but like going mm. out and and being on that senior team, I must have been when the national anthem was playing, it must have been something else. Goosebumps, yeah, it was a, like it was amazing. It was like it was amazing. I mean. The time um, when it kind of came that we were going to America, like you know, I kind of had an inkling, like I'm sure you're going to get a cap now, like you know, I'm sure you're going to play, like you kind of, because I was at, I was on the bench against Chile in Lanzarote, Road, and there were some top players. We went to Portugal for a week on a training camp, and uh, Damien Duff, Robbie Keane, Kilban, Ian Hart, Richard Dunn, you know, and I tell you, I'll be honest, with you, the most nicest fellas you'll ever meet, lads, like all of them, all the top names, like just generally down to it's like me talking to you know, lads, like you know, how are you, Joe, blah blah. And, no, I, you know they wouldn't know me too much, but like as they got to know you, like how oh, you got on, smart talk. But like made you feel so welcome. No airs and graces. No, I couldn't speak highly enough of, of, of a lot of them players because there wasn't one dickhead there. Like there really wasn't. Like they were all just good lads, just very welcoming, which is great because you're walking into something thinking, and you know. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when you're walking into somewhere new, change and we've all had this. Like, like your first few sessions are very important because like, like you want the respect of your peers. Like if your peers think that you're not really up to scratch or you're the ball keeps breaking up with you when you're not to, like, you know, there's a bit of a stigma within you. Mm. You know, we've all been there, let's say, you know what I mean? With fellas coming in, you need not to scratch him. You don't gravitate to him. It's just the way it is because it's, it's a professional sport. Like, you don't kind of gravitate to him. And he could be a lovely lad, but really, if he's not that great in football, then really, you know, he's not going to be here that long. So I think that was important that kind of the first few sessions that it kind of went well for me. I was very conscious of, like, making sure I did well. So I came across that I deserved to be here. Do you know what I mean? Um, but when we went to Morocco and, and when he was kind of coming on against Ecuador, I remember warming up really and kind of getting the shout like, "Come on, Joey, come on!" And I was thinking, "Fuck, man, this is this is this is immense." Like, you know what I mean, I just I had that moment of like, "I'm actually going to play for her." Like, you know what I mean, I really did like. I remember going on and, and, and you know you, you get the instructions and but like it was going in that air. Okay, all right. It's just I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Like, do you know what I mean? And just went on the pitch and I was like, you know, like a schoolboy, like oh, just run down there, like like lunatic. Like, so when you count down after five minutes, you go. It just should get no joke, like you actually play yeah, <laughs> international yeah. football there, like you know, and it, it's it's just it's surreal. Like it's only afterwards and take it all in that like if you actually play for your country, like it's amazing. It really is amazing. Oh, fair play, boy. Brilliant. Nice. Happy memories, man. Thank God you bought that up, Derek. It was a great story. Um can't leave that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, uh, no. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Joe, for coming on tonight. Um, pleasure, lads. Just want to shout out to Edwin Delaney there, who follows us a lot. Like you know, shares a lot of stuff. He's Edwin got young... was my former centre half yeah. partner with Casement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he told me that today. Good actually, yeah, good very player. good. Yeah, but he's got, he's got, he's got young lads in the Irish setup, and he's got one playing at Cork City there as well. Um, you know, and he listens to the podcast, and it's good to to, to hear feedback from you know parents and coaches and stuff like that to say yeah. like you know I didn't know that this stuff was going on in football or 
you know, I didn't, I didn't know these things. So yeah, look again, if you're listening to it, please just like, and share it and, you know, share it with football people or people that have kids playing the game because there is a lot of important stuff, yeah. but, uh, Thanks very much and we'll see you on the next one.